You're now tuned in to the Brendan King Show. From high above the circle in downtown Indianapolis, here's BK. Let's go. Let's go. Episode 33, BK Show. Glad to have you back. It has been a minute. I think the last time we talked to you was after Joe Ryan pitched at Wrigley Field. Joe gracious enough to come on the podcast. And boy, a lot has changed in that time for good reasons. But I am able to get back to the podcast game I don't want to bore you with the details. I'll explain it quickly, though. It's been quite the impactful fall here in Indy. Thanks for being with us again. But over the last three to four months, I've had the pleasure of getting to be on the air every single morning, pretty much, down here in the 317 as a part of the Fan Morning Show, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan, my radio station down here. And due to some circumstances, I was tossed into the fire basically on being the co-host and being the sidekick for Kevin Bowen, producer Mark Dykton, who do a great job on the show. After a four-month after a four-month search, the fan has decided that they'll bring on Jake Query, who has been on this podcast in the past. Jake Query, the IndyCar turn announcer, as well as a great Indianapolis sports historian. Jake's going to do a great job with KB and Mark on that show. Again, I was kind of always the guy that was just subbing in and trying to help as much as I could because I told them right away that, you know, as much as I want to be on this show full-time, we're getting back to baseball full-time next summer. And that is something that just wouldn't work out. And out of, out of respect that I have for the people around here and out of a love for the station, I want to make it the best as it can be. I knew that my services full time just wouldn't work out in the summer just because there's a lot going on with baseball and you know you're getting back to the grind of it, riding buses, being on the air every morning. Now you could do it remotely. It's just not the same as sitting in that studio with KB. So want to thank Kevin Bowen. Uh, want to thank Mark Dykton. Want to thank everybody here at The Fan. I want to thank all of you that listen, that are now listening to this podcast for listening to me pretty much every morning and hearing my takes on Colts football, Pacers basketball. It was amazing, and it all started with commuting out to Colts training camp every single morning, you know, getting there at 5.36 in the morning, doing the show at 7, watching Colts practice, going home, hibernate for a minute, get up, do the rest of the stuff, and at some point, you know, you got to give up some things, and unfortunately, the podcast had to take a hit because of that. But now that it's Kevin and Jake in the mornings, I'm back to my normal MS, the fan stuff. I'm back to a daily grind where I have a typical routine, and I'm set, and we're back to the podcast weekly, baby. Let's call this episode 33, but season two of the BK Show. It is season two. We got this show rolling about a year ago. Since that point, I mean, you guys heard the best of a couple of months back, all the people that we've gotten to bring on this podcast and the people that you've gotten to listen to and I've gotten to know, it's been unbelievable. So we are back, season two, episode 33, still partnered with our great friends at Friday Beers. Get yourself hooked up for the holiday season. Thanksgiving coming up here on Thursday. Uh, humble brag, 
golden birthdays on Saturday. I don't know how to feel about that because people have been telling me telling me my whole life is that, oh, wow, you've had to wait forever for your golden birthday. You have to wait till you're 27 for your golden birthday. I had mine when I was 11. I was like, I get it. And I'll never forget. <laughs> this is kind of like embarrassing. I'll never forget. My mom always told me growing up that like, oh, you'll be out of the house by the time you have your golden birthday. Hopefully, hopefully you're with somebody that can celebrate it with you and they can take care of you. It's like, Look at yourself right now. You're like grinding on the radio. But no, uh, all you mean so much, and it's going to be a great week. I'm actually calling the two-way high school football state championship at Lucas Oil Stadium on Saturday. Andrean against Evansville Modern Day. Andrean, the uh, alma mater of Dan Dockage. Evansville Modern Day, the alma mater of Olivia Ray, Wish TV sports reporter here in town. I get to call that at Lucas Oil. So it's going to be a great birthday. It's going to be a great Thanksgiving. I hope you all enjoy it with your families, and I hope you guys have a terrific holiday season. As mentioned, Friday beer is still in the fold. The Barrett brothers are doing great things. New merch is, new merch as well is on the website. Um, just dropped. You can take with this new merch, which is sick, by the way. We're going to go over a couple things. New merch, 15% off. Promo code T-H-E-B-R-E 15 right now Friday beers shop uh just dropping for the holiday season there is a Friday beers hockey jersey New York Rangers style number 99 on the back you know number 99 is Gretz the great one um says Friday beers on the front New York Rangers style see across the front side of the jersey um if you just enjoy drinking in jerseys uh that is something that you should probably invest in also a baseball jersey has dropped Ugly sweaters, glasses, mugs, hats, hoodies, beanies. I mean, look at this stuff. They're actually, this might be my favorite thing. I hope that my friends at Friday Beers are listening right now because they might be able to hook me up. Uh, a John Belushi style uh, crew neck. You know how John Belushi in Animal House wore the crew neck that said college? There is a blue crew neck similar John Belushi style. It says Friday Beers, and that's pretty cool. I wouldn't mind that if... Um, if our good friends at Friday Beers right now are listening. FYI to the BK Show. Episode 33, thanks for tuning in. There's a lot to cover. Coming up today, though, Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff, is jumping on with us. Short conversation with Bill. Earlier this past week, had a chance to catch up with Bill at the college football playoff event center as they announced the college football playoff weekend entertainment that's coming into Indianapolis. And quickly to touch on that, two free concerts, January 8th. It's going to be 21 Pilots as the headliner. Doja Cat and AJR opening for 21 Pilots. The concert's going to be on the circle. And I can't wait to watch the concert from my building, from where I'm literally looking out of right now. The intro from Kyle Kyle Wells says, high above the circle in Indianapolis. That's where we're going to be watching 21 Pilots uh, feel free to come over. I mean, this is a concert in the middle of the circle. And then Sam Hunt on game day. Sam Hunt on game day. So you get a little bit of both. I mean, you get your 21 Pilots alternative. You get some new AJR, Doja Cat. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody is in love with Doja Cat at this point. And then Sam Hunt for you country folks. I mean, you know, country. Th- th- here's the problem I have with country music. And some of you may stop listening to this podcast when I say this, but it's my open and honest opinion. (laughs) 
Country music in the winter is just like depressing. Why would you want to listen to country music? Guys singing about drinking and beaches and cowboy hats and driving with the windows down when it's 22 degrees outside and it's snowing. That just doesn't, it, you could, you could believe whatever you want it to be in your car, but you can look outside, you roll down your windows and that, you know, frosty, the snowman breeze is coming in and you're not feeling too good. So that I'll watch Sam Hunt in January. Gra- gladly. I, I, I will more than offer to watch Sam Hunt in a free concert in January, but Hey, for those of you outside of Indianapolis, think about what we've had in Indy the last year. March Madness, the Indianapolis 500, Colts season back, Pacers season back, College Football National Championship. I mean, jeesh. Bill Hancock's going to be with us. Bill, the executive director of the College Football Playoff, will tease this now. Bill does give us our answer. To why strength of schedule matters so much in the college football playoff rankings. Bill also reminds us of a key factor in the college football playoff rankings and why they are so different from the AP top 25. If any of you are Michigan State fans, I realize Michigan State got crushed by Ohio State, but if any of you are Michigan State fans, um, this answer should kind of fill you in on why the Wolverines jumped over the Spartans in the CFP rankings last week. Personally, It just continues to show you because the last time we talked to you on this show, we were talking a lot about the 12-team playoff. And I wasn't able to ask Bill about the 12-team playoff yet. It just wasn't the situation. It, you know, we sat down for six or seven minutes, and a 12-team playoff conversation would take about half an hour. So that's a conversation for another day. To be honest with you, I've seen Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff, a good four times in the last month. So, I mean, there will be other opportunities to sit down with Bill. This was more so to talk about what's coming to Indy as well as the status of the CFP rankings because those are the important parts right now. But the last time we talked to you guys about the 12-team playoff, I mean, it's clockwork, isn't it? It's truly clockwork. Now that Oregon has lost, and now that Oregon took one on the chin to Utah, it's clear that the Ohio State Buckeyes are going to be the number three team in the college football playoff rankings. But does that mean Cincinnati automatically goes to four? It should be, right? It should be the case where Cincinnati already goes to four, automatically goes to four, But you just get the sense that the college football playoff committee, as soon as Cincinnati goes to that American championship against Houston, if Houston wins that game, they'll kick kick Cincinnati so hard out of the top five, they won't see it coming. They'll whoop them in the ass and say goodbye. Bye-bye. See ya. Nice knowing ya. Come back never. If Cincinnati struggles with Houston, clearly they're out. But that gives the committee, and look, Bill Hancock, very nice for coming on this podcast, but Bill Hancock, I think in the back of his mind, knows what the CFP rankings are. And it's a competition of the Power Five. It's not a competition of the American Athletic Conference. It's not a competition among the Mountain West. It is a competition of the SEC, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the ACC, I guess the Big 12, I guess. I mean, but Big 12, Oklahoma stinks, Oklahoma State's, eh. Baylor's, like, you never know. I mean, look at this. Up and down, 
I mean, a lot of people would be happy to see UTSA at number 22. UTSA at number 22. Goodness. Meep, meep. Meep, meep, UTSA. Meep, meep. As soon as Cincinnati struggles, if they do, I'd feel really bad for Luke Fickle. Because Luke Fickle, come February, he can go wherever he wants. But Luke Fickle, imagine if Luke Fickle goes into the situation of potentially going to a Florida, or if Lane Kiffin leaves Old Miss, or an LSU, or wherever, or USC even. Luke Fickle going into those job interviews with a clean slate and perfection instead of kind of a bruise if his team struggles against Houston? Those would make a world's difference for him because he's already the hottest commodity in the game. But can Luke Fickle get even hotter? Certainly he can. Cincinnati, if they get in the top four, let's be honest with ourselves. They're getting wrecked by Georgia. Georgia's wrecking anybody they play. But a two-loss Alabama team, if it gets down to the SEC championship, what do you do then? The college football playoff committee has been so around the board and bonkers. I have a hard time figuring it out. But it makes their lives so much easier if they go to 12 teams. If they go to 12 teams, the excuses for the little guy not getting the shot They automatically go away. Because again, this is what I said weeks ago. All the 12-team playoff does, first of all, the one guarantee is Notre Dame's in the playoff every year. And I don't say that as a Notre Dame fan. I say that as a, all Brian Kelly has to do is get a top 10 team on the field. He doesn't have to worry about getting the number three, number two. I think Brian Kelly can handle that. But the other thing the, the top 12 does or a 12-team playoff does, it just gives the committee every excuse in the book to just pull from their favorites. It gives them an opportunity to play the hits. When you play the hits, here's what you get. You get the winner of the SEC, whether that's Alabama or Georgia on a, day, on a yearly basis, and then you get that runner-up. So number one ends up being Alabama or Georgia, or LSU, I guess, in some cases. You know, in one case from a few years ago. But it's Georgia or Alabama, and then the loser of that two is number two, and then it's Ohio State, and then it's an Oregon-type team, and then it's Michigan, and then it's Michigan State now. Look, are they going to regret paying Tucker $100 million in 10 years? I don't know, but for now it seems to look fine. And then you get Notre Dame. But then, after that point, after those guarantees, here's what happens. You throw in two more SEC schools. You maybe get one other Big Ten school. You get the winner of the Pac-12, you get the winner of the Big 12, and you get the winner of the ACC. And then you mix in Notre Dame, and then you stir it around a little bit, and you're like, oh, we could probably fit one more. And that's where you get, like, Ole Miss right now. Lane Kiffin has the 12th-ranked team in the college football playoffs. 8-2. BYU is 14. Pitt is 18 at 8-2. UTSA is 10 and 0, but is the is UTSA the new uh team that everybody's going to be begging for next year? Is UTSA the new Coastal? Is UTSA the new Boise State? Is UTS is UTSA going to be the give them a shot. They're going to get wrecked in round 1, but I want to see it. Don't kid yourselves. Every time somebody says that about like a crappy school that would have to go up against Georgia, and I'm not calling UTSA a crappy school. That type of game, though, 
If Notre Dame's getting wrecked by Georgia or Alabama, which they would, how do you think you t- that's gonna be a sixty to nothing game? That's gonna be like Alabama. That's gonna be like Florida, you know, scheduling Sanford. Except instead of Sanford almost beating them, Florida blows them out in the swamp. Don't even get me started on Dan Mullen. But is UTSA now the new school that everybody wants in? It'd be a fun story. The problem is when you go one against 12, what do you think the committee wants to see? Because again, the NCAA is not the college football playoff committee. But, that's a big but. The NCAA is the umbrella that stirs over what the college football playoff committee is. The college football playoff committee does not exist without the NCAA. Thus, the NCAA, even though they don't make the decision making, oh, the NCAA, you know what comes from the NCAA? That's the green. That's the green. The dough, the cash, the money. The NCAA doesn't want to see People selling tickets for UTSA Georgia. They want to see people selling tickets for Old Miss Georgia. What sounds cooler? Meep Meep against Georgia and losing by 60? Or Lane Kiffin creating controversy at the microphone all week and then going to play Georgia? They might lose by 20, but it's going to be sure entertaining. And that, right there, my friends, is the college football playoff. Coming up on the show, episode 33 of the BK Show. Bill Hancock's about to join us here, the executive director of the College Football Playoff Committee. Everything that has to deal with the College Football Playoff. Bill Hancock, a guy that has been to 42 Final Fours. How about that? As well as countless Olympics. We'll we'll let him tell that story in the interview. Coming up as well, after the interview, we're going to hit some circle center speed round. I'm going to give you my teams in the NFL that can win the Super Bowl. Out of this group that I'm about to give you, the Super Bowl champion is going to come from this group. I did this last year. I said the Bucks were in there. I was correct. I was correct. Just saying. The group I gave you last year, the Super Bowl champ came from it. We're going to do that again as well. We're going to hit some wanted posters, 317-699-2350, the telephone number. You can call that number anytime. Get on the pod. It's Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff. He is coming up next. It's episode 33 of the BK Show. Let's hit Bill right now. Brendan King with Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff. Bill, starting to feel real just over 50 days away, huh? Can't wait. Can't wait. The hay's in the barn. We're ready. We could play tomorrow. Oh, we need teams. We better not play tomorrow. We don't have any teams yet. Well, today was a big step, obviously, announcing the entertainment that's going to happen college football playoff weekend. Yeah, the entertainment announcement is always, uh, people always hold their breath to see who we're going to bring in. I keep lobbying for the Beatles, and I keep losing every year, but I'm not going to give up. Let me ask you this, Bill. Game planning and getting set for this, we've met uh, as of a couple months ago, and you're a guy that has worked a long time in college basketball, Olympics, but just the magnitude of this event, how does it match up with everything you've done in the past? Well, it's a signature event of college football, of course. This is our eighth. Uh, I was telling somebody there have been 82, I believe, Final Fours, and and now eight CFPs. So we've got a way to go to catch up with them age-wise. But we never had a never really had a way to celebrate college football at the end of the season until CFP came along. An event that captivates the city and really captivates the country on that Monday night. So we're we're delighted with where we are with CFP. It's quickly become an iconic event. Um, you don't measure things. You shouldn't measure things by 
television viewership, but I'm going to get away from that for a minute and say we're, we're the second most viewed television program uh, other than Super Bowl. And Super Bowl's on a whole different plane than the rest of us are. And that's just the passion of college football. I thought it was interesting something you said a little bit earlier on when it comes to the committee and picking teams, putting out rankings every week. It's a week-by-week week type of deal where they don't look at the last week or last week doesn't impact what they do for this week. So fans that are looking at the top six right now with Michigan leapfrogging Michigan State, as you said, the last couple weeks don't impact what happens this week, right? It's unique in that way. I think that with the AP poll and the coaches poll or the journalist poll, they tend to say, if you won, you're going to move up. If you lose, you're going to move down. Our committee just looks at every team's full resume, body of work, whatever you want to call it, every week. And if you think about it, every team's resume changes every week. Uh, we're going to see Ohio State or Michigan State. Resume change this weekend. And that's one of the great things about the committee is that they start all over and say, okay, now, now what nine games have they played? What ten games? And how do they stack up against the other teams? Is that why strength of schedule plays such a big part in the selection of the top four here? It is. Uh, and strength of schedule has to be a part of every ranking system. In the, in the, in the 15 years, 16 years I spent with the NCAA Men's Basketball Committee, strength of schedule was important. Um, you can't just say they have no losses, no matter who it is, no matter what year it is. You have to consider who, the, who, who, who they played. And uh, again, we're not we're not any different than the NCAA sports committees in that way. And it's not only you know we we not only choose the teams for the playoff, but we rank the top twenty five every week. And you you just have to look at everybody's schedule. We're with Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff, and Brendan King with you. Bill, I want to dive into. You traveling around the country and seeing all these environments and seeing college football back to the mecca that we knew it for so many years, what's it been like to see just the passion that fans have brought back to the game this year? It's been awesome. I I don't know that any of us realized how much we missed it all last year. You know, we were so happy when the Big Ten and the others started playing and we finally had games on the field. Oh, well, there's no fans in the stands. Oh, too bad. But we have the games. And now this year, now that we have it all back, it just accentuates how much we missed uh, what we had last year. And just, I don't know, just the marching bands. Uh, We didn't have that (laughs) last year. And and it's all back. And it, it, it... supports further how cool and fun college football really is. Well, you're a guy that has seen some really cool stuff. I, w- I want to dive because you told me about this the first time we met. How many Final Fours and how many Olympics has it been for you before this? Well, I have been to 42 consecutive Final Fours. Man. And so this year, New Orleans will be 43 in a row. Um felt very lucky that I was able to come to Indianapolis this year to be a part of those, what, 8,000 people or however many there were. And I don't, the city did a great job for that, for the whole tournament, under the most trying circumstances you can imagine. It was really a miracle and a tribute to Indianapolis and to the NSA staff that the tournament happened. So, uh, yeah, and uh, Beijing will be my 15th Olympics. Mm. You sort of have to count Olympics as in dog year. Yeah. So <laughs> my first one was 1984 in Los Angeles. And I thought, when I got home from that one, I thought, hey, I'll never get to go to another Olympics again. But I got to go to one, and it was, it was great. Uh, 
but Tokyo was excellent, even though there weren't any fans, and, and, and there will be some fans in Beijing, but only only Chinese people. They're not having fans come from around the around the world. Well, last thing, you talked about the NCAA tournament here in March. Of course, Indianapolis, the college football playoff, was already set, but when you looked at that experience here, did it make you feel better that they could put on such an event in COVID, bring these people in, all these locations, and then you're like, man, January's going to rock. I had high feelings for Indianapolis before from having been to all those Final Fours, but having, but seeing the way the city reached out and, and embraced the tournament this year even enhanced the way I felt about everything. Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff. Bill, appreciate the time. You bet. Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff with us on episode 33 of the BK Show. As mentioned, Bill and I met about a month and a half ago when him and his team actually came to MS Communications on the Circle Nindy, came to the fan for a meeting. Really cool to meet him, get to know him and his story. Again, the guy's been around sports and collegiate athletics and um, Olympic-style athletics for his entire life. And, you know, when the college football playoff comes out, he makes the jump to football, and since that point... He has led the charge here in the CFP after the BCS went away. Again, I think that strength of schedule comment and question that he answered is really important, not just for this year, but especially going forward. Um, If you expand this thing, the strength of schedule is just going to matter even more. And when there's more spots up for grabs and there's more teams playing better schedules, And the better schedules are coming for the SECs and the Big Tens and the ACCs. Those American teams, those Mountain West teams are just going to really have a hard time. I don't see it changing in any way. You might feel differently. If you do, call the show, 317-699-2350. I welcome the argument. I really do. It just doesn't look like at all, based on what we've seen, if somebody gives me a real-world example of something we've seen from the committee in the first whatever years of the CFP, then I'll welcome it. But we had just never seen it. What's the smallest school to get in? Is it Washington? I mean, Michigan State was in one year. If Cincinnati gets in, that's leaps and bounds, and that's complete playoff changing, and that's a new face of the playoff. If Cincinnati is number four, by the time we're talking at the end of this in conference championship season, I'll shut up. And I'll say that it's completely reversed and that the CFP did something new. But for years to come, if Cincinnati doesn't get in this year, you can write off that there is absolutely no shot it happens again, no matter who it is. No matter who. Let's get to some Circle Center speed round. We're going to touch on the teams in the National Football League right now that can win the Super Bowl. Again, I gave you this last year. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were on the list. They end up winning the Super Bowl. That was when the Bucs also weren't very good, by the way. That was very odd, very early on in this podcast lifetime. So, hard to believe it's been a year of doing this podcast. All the people, again, that we've gotten to welcome on. It's been pretty crazy. Got to thank you all for supporting. Join the conversation on Twitter, at Sports, Instagram, Brendan King Show. Brendan King Show, gmail.com is the show. Email 317-699-2350. Friday beers, 15% off right now. T-H-E-B-R-E-15. Circle center speed round. The teams in the National Football League from this point on that can win the Super Bowl. Last year, Tampa Bay Bucks, 
They were on the list. They win the Super Bowl as well. That was when the Bucks were down. So, I mean, you learn one thing in your lifetime. Don't bet against Tom Brady. Ever, ever, ever. At least money line wise. You can bet against him like plus six, but like money line, no way. All right, teams in the NFL that can win the Super Bowl right now. Let's go. I got to start in the AFC, and there's only a select few, man. I'll take two out of the AFC East, because obviously the Dolphins and the Jets have been dead since week two. Patriots and the Bills, I don't know if Mac Jones is leading Bill Belichick to a Super Bowl in his rookie year, but boy, I like Mac Jones a lot, and he's making a lot of people look stupid that he fell that far in the first round. Maybe the Niners should have thought about Mac Jones at three. I don't know what Trey Lance is going to be. Mac Jones out here winning football games. Is it because of Belichick's system? Maybe. Kids got talent, though. Buffalo Bills, huge loss to the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. But as, as soon as they remember they can run the ball with Devin Singletary is when, the, is when the Bills come back. They are too good offensively and decent enough defensively that they can go and win a Super Bowl. Josh Allen, top three quarterback in the National Football League. As soon as they remember that they don't have to rely on his monstrous arm 24 hours a day is when Sean McDermott and company get their swagger back. AFC North? Boy. Remember last year, too, I told you the teams that could win the Super Bowl, but Super Bowl is like my alphas. I gave you a couple betas. We're going to save the betas for last. Alphas out of the AFC North. The Ravens, I don't love. I don't love the Ravens. Lamar Jackson has not shown me enough in the postseason that he can go on that elongated run, but their defense can carry them. Harbaugh's a veteran enough coach where he can kind of lead Jackson along. Look, I don't think anybody's stopping Lamar, but when it comes to postseason football, it's a totally different animal. So by a slim margin, the Ravens are an alpha. From the AFC South, there are no alphas. Zero alphas from the AFC South. I will put... For the AFC, the Titans and the Colts both as betas. Not to say that the Titans are bad. The Titans are just so damn inconsistent. They don't know what to do with themselves. One week they can't beat the Jets. The next week they can't beat the Texans. The next week they hammer the Colts on the road. I don't know what to think of Mike Vrabel's team. I have zero clue. And now that the Derrick Henry injury and they're relying on Adrian Peterson. Look, AP is a great running back. AP is a Hall of Fame running back. But he's not a running back that's going to go win you a Super Bowl. Titans a beta. Colts are a beta because the Colts are like Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde. The Colts are either a superpower or they stink. And usually when they stink is when they don't give Jonathan Taylor the ball. Every game that Jonathan Taylor has ran over 100 yards this year, the Colts have won. Does it make sense, Frank Reich? I think it makes pretty good sense of why... Jonathan Taylor deserves more than one carry in overtime when you lose against the Titans. That's just me, though. That's just me. Uh, Titans, Colts, both betas. I'll put the Steelers as a beta just because every single year it's December. You're like, oh, here they come. Steelers, beta. Nobody in the AFC East is a beta. Alphas in the AFC West. Chiefs, Chargers, mark them down. I like Herbert. Mahomes seems to... I don't know. Mahomes is like... Mahomes has become obsessed with, like, making the difficult play. 
Mahomes is going to be a Hall of Famer, but he has become entrenched with himself of making a play way harder than it should be. Left-handed passes, shovel passes. Bro, just go get the first out and scramble. Holy cow. Uh, I'll put the Chargers and the Chiefs both as alphas in the AFC West. NFC East, I'll put the Cowboys as an alpha. Eagles, very slim beta. The the slimmest of betas for the Eagles. NFC North, Packers are an alpha. That's it. Vikings, Bears, Lions, no way. Uh, Bucks are an alpha. Saints are a beta. Cardinals, alpha. Rams, alpha. Running out of time in the speed round. That's why I'm kind of speeding through it. Um... Yeah, Bucks are an alpha. Saints, very beta-ish. Cardinals, Rams out of the NFC West for sure. I, I, The Vikings, Bears, and Lions, I mean, God bless America. We'll talk about Matt Nagy another time. I, I, I don't have the energy to talk about Matt Nagy today. The people in his locker room want him out. The people in his locker room want him out. But the McClaskies... Virginia is on the road every single week. She should be seeing that this football team can't win. No chance that the Bears are even a beta. The Bears are like a, what's the last letter of the Greek alphabet? They're that. Circle Center Speed Round. Circle Center Speed Round, my NFL teams that can win the Super Bowl right now. Broke it into alphas and betas out of the AFC. Alphas, Patriots, and Bills. Ravens, Chiefs, Chargers, Betas, Titans, Colts, Steelers. NFC, Alphas, Cowboys, Packers, Bucks, Cardinals, Rams, Betas, Saints, and the Eagles. That's it. That's it. That's it. Super Bowl champion will come from that list right there. I don't see the Seahawks coming back. The Panthers with Cam, not enough to win that division or contend in the wild card. The Vikings are just okay. The They're just okay. They're enough of an okay to get by in the league. And now that Dalvin Cook's got this, like, domestic abuse thing or, like, the victim of domestic abuse, holy hell. Oh, my God. My goodness gracious. Uh, I want to give a big shout-out. Hinkle Fieldhouse earlier last week had the great opportunity and the pleasure, really, of working with Garrett Butcher, a member of both of Butler basketball's final four teams, teammates with Gordon Hayward, Shelvin Mack, coached under Brad Stevens. As Garrett Butcher was my broadcast partner, Butler women's basketball against Austin P. back on Thursday. Great time. I mean, you know, the thing about going to Butler is without those teams that Garrett played on, I don't wind up at that school. And that's the case for, I'm sure, many people. I mean, the people that used to wind up at Butler before the Final Fours were probably people around Indy and people that really specialized in one thing. And then after the Final Fours, you had people going and applying just because of the basketball team. I, I, that's what it was. I mean, you could have gone to Butler. You could have gone anywhere to study finance. You could have gone anywhere to study of accounting. But you went to Butler because of the Final Four teams. And huge shout-out to Garrett, who, again, was a part of those squads, went to the Final Four, even got some... He got action in the National Championship game against UConn in 2011. So pretty damn cool. Had a great time. It was his first time putting a headset on, and you wouldn't have guessed it from the broadcast. He killed it. Shout-out Garrett Butcher. We'll try and get him on the pod sometime. Uh, If you guys have people you would like to get on the podcast, shoot me a text, shoot me a tweet. 
at uh, BKing Sports, Brendan King Show on Instagram. Let me know. I mean, let me know what you want to hear because, again, I want to make this podcast as personable and as entertaining and as enjoyable as possible. And I want to have people on that you guys enjoy listening to. So let me know if, if you have any ideas that are attainable, obviously. I mean, I do what I can. I feel like, though, like when you say attainable goals, I mean, we have gotten people on this show that like has probably been outside of the attainable range when we first started things. I mean, that's just a shout out to everybody involved. Uh, my, my dog, my dude, Steve Lavin, is going to come back on the show at some point. Steve Lav might be like a twice-a-year guest where... He comes on, you know, midway through the college basketball season and, you know, start March Madness because Lav's that good. He is truly that good um, where I, 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 I love talking to Lav. And it's pretty cool that broadcast that I did with Garrett, um, you know, it was one of those things where um, it's on the Big East Digital Network, which is presented through Fox and Butler... Um, rolls through the Big East Digital Network. And, again, the game is presented like it's a Fox broadcast. So I texted Lav. I was like, what's up, man? Um, I'm doing my first, like, Fox-affiliated game. And Lav ends up sending me, like, the Fox broadcaster handbook that, like, they send Joe Buck and, like, they send, like, the big shots. So huge shout-out to Steve Lavin. Big-time shout to Lav. Um, so that was awesome. So, again, let me know who you want to have on the show. I will do everything in my power, and we'll make it happen. All right, got to get to some wanted posters before we say goodbye. Relatively short-ish episode. Again, I like to keep it, like, within an hour because I know, first of all, people, you know, are very selective with what they listen to and what they soak in from an entertainment standpoint. So I feel like keeping it to it at the max an hour is good, and we're just getting back. We're getting rolling in Season 2. 317-699-2350 is the show phone number. Leave a voicemail. Hit me next week. We will update you on our guest list as we roll along. Uh, Huge shout-out, by the way, to Lauren Burke, uh, Texas softball star who came on the show. She's killing it. Uh, She just finished up fall season, and Lauren Burke is now doing her own softball camp. So you could give her a follow on Instagram. She's doing big things where... I think it's like a it's an in-person softball camp at Lauren Burke five is her Instagram, but like she's doing it over virtual too, where she's giving lessons and she's giving feedback to people for her own softball camp. So Lauren Lauren Burke heading into uh, the Texas softball season. Big shout to LB for coming on the show a few months back. That was very fun and got a lot of compliments on the show. So she is killing it. All right. One of the posters, right now. Yeah. You're coming with me. All right, that's what I like to hear, man. In very embarrassing fashion, as we start this edition of Wanted Posters, you may have read on what Carlos Correa said about Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, a.k.a. the guy that was almost the first unanimous Hall of Famer in big league history. Uh, Derek Jeter had a hell of a career. I do not understand why people think Derek Jeter is overrated, was overrated. My man was the captain of the New York Yankees for 20 years. 
14-time All-Star, 5-time World Series champion, World Series MVP, AL Rookie of the Year, 5-time Gold Glove, 5-time Silver Slugger, 2-time Hank Aaron Award winner, Roberto Clemente Award, uh, number 2 retired as a Yankee, 260 home runs, 1,300 RBIs, 3,465 hits, he had 310. What about that career says that overrated? What about that career says overrated? So Carlos Correa, a.k.a. a guy that had to cheat to get his only World Series ring. You know, I thought I wanted Carlos Correa as a Cub for a minute. Not anymore. Not, not really anymore after what he said is something as stupid as you're going to get. Carlos Correa questioned and asked why Derek Jeter has five gold gloves. Because Carlos Correa, in his opinion, says Derek Jeter has earned none of them. Has earned none of them. He should have zero. Zero. For the guy that has made some of the greatest plays we have ever seen at, sorry, at the shortstop position. I was reading the article again and ag came up because the article is so damn stupid and I need to put Carlos Correa, a cheater, on a wanted poster, but even more so because of the response that we got from Derek Cheater. Listen to this. A couple of weeks ago, Carlos Correa of the Astros had mentioned that you weren't deserving of, yeah, your, I heard about that. of your gold gloves. Yeah. Um, I was wondering what, what you thought about that. And you know, I didn't so- think much about it. I don't know how my name came up. So uh, my Spanish is not that good. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I don't know how my name was brought up, but it doesn't even warrant a response. I mean, I can go in a lot of different directions, but I won't. <laughs> that was the attempt. <laughs> my Spanish is not that good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My man owns the Miami Marlins, and he is torching current big league ball players. You think Carlos Correa is about to sign with the Marlins? No shot now. No shot. Oh, goodness. <laughs> My Spanish is not that good. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Shout out Derek Cheater. I, I again, I do not get where people bring up the overrated crap. If you're overrated, you're not the captain of the New York Yankees because George Steinbrenner would never do that to publicize you to that type of logistic. Ever, 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 never, ever, ever, ever. Ninety nine point seven five percent of the vote first ballot for Derek Cheater. I've said what I, I said. All I needed to say, Carlos Correa, you're an idiot. You are an idiot. If you side with the Cubs, I will continue to call you an idiot. I could care less what my status is with the Cubs. You're an idiot. Dumb, absolutely dumb. Wanted poster number two. Uh, the entire Winnipeg Jets defensive core. Look, there's this thing called film, but there's also this thing called the greatest hockey player in the world, and his name is Connor McDavid. Look, a lot of you may have seen the highlight that Connor McDavid absolutely embarrassed, and I mean, I just mean humiliated, downright sent these dudes packing when he took on four New York Rangers, dangled through them and scored what was the league's best goal to that point. And I say to that point because he just did it again. The Winnipeg Jets bench... I will arrest you all. My man Connor McDavid 
this call from Sportsnet in Canada. Shout out Sportsnet in Canada, by the way. When I was up in Canada a few weeks ago for my cousin's wedding, which was beautiful, by the way. Absolutely delicate. Gorgeous wedding. Um, I just left my hotel TV on the whole time. That's what I do. When, I, when I'm on the road for baseball, I like getting back to the hotel and having my TV on. I get that, you know, it's probably not great for, like, electrical bills. and like, sorry, I think you can afford it, though. But I like walking in and having my TV on. When I walked in, they were playing that Connor highlight uh, against the Rangers. But, again, uh, Connor McDavid, he, he, he did it again. Listen to this. From Shifley and Connor at 13.57 in the third. Speaking of Connor, here's McDavid. Incredible. This guy took on four Winnipeg Jets, skated through a diamond of them, and then roofed it over Connor Hellebuck's right shoulder. Connor McDavid, if you are if you don't follow the NHL, I, I get it. Hockey's not for everybody. But um you need to know who Connor McDavid is. He's never going to touch Wayne Gretzky's point record at 2,857, but he could very well be looked at as the greatest hockey player of all time by the end of his career. Wayne's got the stats, and Wayne will always have the stats, even if Ovechkin breaks his goals record, which is potentially attainable. Ovechkin's got to stay healthy. But this dude is... It's it's on another planet. On another planet what Connor McDavid is at. Incredible. Okay, final wanted poster. I told you my cousin's wedding story. I kind of set it up with hockey because I want to tell a quick story from my cousin's wedding, which was, again, just an absolutely fantastic time. Uh, Attended the Hockey Hall of Fame. It was incredible. There were a lot of Indianapolis hockey history artifacts in there, including Wayne Gretzky's first program when he was an Indianapolis racer, Wayne Gretzky's Indianapolis racers, sticks, gloves, uh, awesome. I mean, I got to see the Stanley Cup up close for maybe the third time in my life. You know, got to take a picture with it, you know, read the engravings all over the cup of everybody that has ever won it. And we had an awesome time. Uh, <laughs> you know, wh- one part about Canada that I-, I don't know gets enough love is those people throw down. Just absolutely uh, no regard for human life at times. Those people know how to throw a party. The band that my cousin had for his wedding, there was not just two singers. There were not just two guitar players. There was not just a fantastic drummer. There was a saxophone player. There was a trumpet player. There was basically a French horn player. I'm not sure what else was up there. There were more brass instruments up there than my sixth grade music knowledge can pick out. But the band they had up there on that stage at the Omni King Edward Hotel in downtown Toronto was unbelievable. There were a good 14 people on that stage. And my guy with the saxophone at one point gets down on the dance floor and saxes it up. We got the full sax, and then when the band decided to take a break, my Friday Beers listeners will appreciate this, when the band decided to take a break, 
they had a DJ on the backup. So my cousin and his beautiful wife, now Lauren, they had a band and a DJ to back it up. Usually it's one of the two. They had a DJ to back it up. And why my Friday Beers listeners will enjoy this, the first song that my dude played when the band took a break was Levels by Avicii. The dance floor was immaculate. Uh, the the menu for the concoctions that they were dishing out from behind the dance floor was even better. And it was just a tremendous night. But I'm telling you, that guy with the saxophone, if you're the Canadian saxophone player from Toronto, I owe you a good $20 for how much you entertain people. Just If you could go hard with the sax... Like that, that, that's a skill that not a lot of people can attain. You know, when you think about like skills that not a lot of people have, you got to think like instruments first, right? Saxophones up there. I think violins up there. And I say that as a former very average violin player when I was a kid, I don't, you know, there are very specific talents that not a lot of people have that, that just propel you to the top of draft boards. And saxophone has to be one of them. Sports broadcasting, I don't know if that's one of them. But saxophone's for sure one of them. (laughs) Episode 33 of the VK Show. Thanks for hanging along. Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff, really enjoyed that conversation with him. Again, if you guys want to hear, see somebody on the podcast, tweet me. Message me. Let me know. I would be happy to get them or do my best to grab them. We are heating up in a big way around here. Again, think about everything that has been around this podcast in the year of its existence. The March Madness coaches stuff, the Indy 500. You know, when we got Sean Avery, Chris Long, shout, shout out Brent Kaisman, shout out Brian Todd, all the help getting guests. Man, season two. Season two, Bill Hancock, you the man. We'll see you guys.